Live from Chicago, this is Bruce Dumont with our Beyond the Beltway analysis of national politics. Facing occasional injections of rumor and innuendo all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight featuring commentary by independent Derek Addis, Democrat Becky Carroll, conservative lawyer Eric, uh, I'm sorry, Eric Cohn, libertarian Eric Cohn, and conservative Republican, whatever she wants to call herself, Judith Sherwin. Our program tonight coming to you from our home base at the Museum of Broadcast Communications. Nice to have you with us, 1-800-723-8289. That's 1-800-723-8289. If you would like to email me a comment, it's Bruce Dumont. 2019 at uh, gmail.com and of course uh, you can join us at uh, if you want to tweet me a comment it's at dumo at d-u-m-o and of course you can join us live at beyondthebeltway.com if you miss this show it's always there and also we are live on facebook at uh, beyondthebeltway.com and also live on youtube so you can find us just about anywhere nice to have you with us we've got a full two hours we've got a new a new voice joining us tonight and uh, we'll hear from her actually we'll hear from her uh, in just a second because one of the questions i want to ask everybody the president of the united states has been accused of using his office to have a conversation with the president of the ukraine in which he allegedly asks the president of ukraine to look into and start an investigation into the alleged charges uh, made against uh, uh, Hunter Biden, uh, the vice president's son. So, Becky, you are the card-carrying Democrat tonight. Uh, is this? Uh, are you worried about this issue, or is this just another issue that uh, you can use to uh, get votes for uh, your candidate uh, next year? Yeah, I mean, I think this kind of behavior has almost become normalized over the last couple of years as part of the Trump administration. Um, I think with each one that comes out, there's fewer and fewer people listening. Um, for me personally, if there is a good case to be made by the Democrats and maybe some more independent Republicans in Congress to move forward with impeachment, then they should do so. The clock is ticking. But for me, I really want to be focused on the presidential race and being able to put out our credentials, ideas, and our values about how we want to lead our, our country moving forward. But as someone who also is for Pete Buttigieg, mm -hmm. uh, because this story uh, could literally blow up in Joe Biden's face yeah. and put him on defense, is it positive for your candidate? Um, I don't really think that voters look at candidates and whether they're going to support them because someone else is having a controversy. I really think they're looking for who has the values and the leadership and experience that we want at this point in time for our country. And I think folks are looking for something different from Trump. For me, I always say that Mayor Pete is an anti-Trump. And I think in the long term, in the general, he's the one that's ultimately going to have the best chance to, to, to win in okay. November. Judy Sherman, let me separate that answer out. We'll talk a bit more about it later. But back to the core question. Uh, uh, is this an issue that concerns you that uh, the president is engaging in in politics with uh, the leader of another nation? And and perhaps again, part of this the, the charge here is that he may be holding U.S. foreign aid as a as a as a carrot for this president. Well, I I uh, you know I listened to this story when it, it started breaking with this idea of the whistleblower and. Um, it, first of all, we don't actually know exactly what he said. Uh, we do know that he talked to the president of Ukraine. 
we know from a variety of stories that we have heard that the State Department actually asked Rudy Giuliani to go and investigate this uh, incident, which Joe Biden even indicates happened. He's, he's on tape saying that while he was Vice President of the United States in March of 2016, he told the Ukrainian president, I believe it was the president, certainly their government, that if they didn't fire the prosecutor who was going after his son, he was going to stop American aid. Last time I looked, Donald Trump had nothing to do with that. That was Joe Biden. So I think this is something that's likely going to grow, going to blow up in Biden's face um, because there have been, a, I mean, this is something that he admitted. There's yeah. a videotape of him saying right. this. The president has a right to talk to foreign leaders about a variety of things. We have no idea what he talked to him about. But if there is some issue relating to American corruption, and he has some indication of it, I'm not sure I understand why he wouldn't be able to raise that with a foreign government. Okay. If everybody could speak up just a little bit louder, we're getting some complaints that people are having a difficult time hearing at home. So speak up and we'll, we'll crank the dials up. Go ahead. Eric Cohen, your response. Well, I'm even all these many years now into the Trump administration, I'm still unpersuaded by the pointing to supposed other bad behavior to say that possible bad behavior by Donald Trump shouldn't be that big of a deal. But um, yes, this it, no, it doesn't look good. Now look, this story is believable to me. It's unconfirmed at this point. I would like to see more about it before actually making a true judgment on whether, you know, if we actually know that this happened, but it mm -hmm. does appear like some whistleblower went through the proper process. Um, it has the opportunity to blow up in both of their faces, but I really think at this point in time, it's you know it's most dangerous for Joe Biden because he is the one uh, really in a heated race as opposed to Donald Trump, who is doesn't really have to worry about Bill Weld or Joe Walsh or anybody who would try to make an issue of this outside of the normal whirlwind of the Trump administration, mm -hmm. which to me, his role in this, if this story is true, is probably forgotten within a week. Uh, Derek Annis is our independent this evening. Yeah, so... Um, I just think that uh, right now the individual who shall uh, transfer that whistleblower information to Congress for Congress to do its job um, has said that they are being blocked by a higher power. And we know there's only a few individuals that have higher authority over that individual. Uh, and so regardless of what is in the whistleblower uh, text or documents or whatnot, um, it's, it's another fundamental breakdown of the political uh, sphere that we have now whether it's from the left or from the right, uh, it seems that nothing actually gets done. And so, Does, I don't well, know. If, the, if there's something yeah. getting done is the question of impeachment, I think that there's two points to be made on that. One, Congress can impeach for pretty much anything at once. I think we all pretty probably acknowledge that. Well, right? think, it's a prudential question at yeah. this point whether or not they think it's a good idea. And I'm still inclined to the so, idea that the American people yeah. get a say in all of this next year and let them have it. Fine. And, and, and to, to my own point, I want to say I'm not saying that so Congress can impeach the president. I'm saying so that Congress can do its, uh, its duties to fully vet... Uh, a whistleblower complaint. Uh, and world leaders. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm going to get a point. Wor yeah. World leaders are all politicians. That's correct. And and I would doubt that this is not the first time that the president of one country has talked politics with the president of another country That's and may have been able to hold a carrot over their head. But this is not this is not this is yes, more this standard is, operating right. procedure. Right. We're just right. learning about it. This is the real yeah. world at number one. And number two, this this whistleblower complaint, whatever it is, the reports over the weekend have been that the whistleblower 
was not the person who actually even heard whatever it was that Donald Trump said. He heard it third-hand from somebody else. So even he doesn't know what happened on that call, and none, neither do the rest of us. Yeah, so we don't. I well, have to, that's why we, we need Congress to get that true. paperwork, well, is yes. what I'm saying. So we don't yeah. know if that's true either, so I think we need a well, full understanding you know, of When the you said the State Department went to Rudy Giuliani, why would our State Department Go to Ruli Giuliani to ask this question. According to stories that I read over the weekend in some credible sources, including, I believe, the Washington Post, the State Department asked Rudy Giuliani. But does to that go smell to you? Does that smell right? Why would they go to a private attorney for the press of the United States to deal with an issue that has some importance? Again, that's the question. We'll hear from everybody else okay. when we roll on from Chicago. I'm Bruce Dumont. Goodman Theatre presents the Broadway sensation Bernhard Hamlet, a rollicking comedy about the original diva, legendary actress Sarah Bernhardt. It's 1899, and Bernhardt tackles her most ambitious part yet, Hamlet. The gossip flies and society gasps as gender roles are put to the test. The New York Times calls it a breakneck backstage comedy and says it's so clever it uplifts. Bernhard Hamlet runs through October 20th. Get tickets today at goodmantheatre.org. Hey, this is Ellen DeGeneres. We all have a vital role to play in helping California communities, firefighters, and first responders battling wildfires throughout the state. In this time of crisis, the entertainment community unites in support of those keeping us safe. Join us at musicforrelief.org fire and give to provide firefighters with the critical equipment they need to protect our neighborhoods. That's musicforrelief.org fire. Thanks. From Oklahoma City to New York City, you're listening to Beyond the Beltway, watching us on YouTube and also on Facebook Live. Nice to have you with us this evening. You know, there's something, you know, we're talking about the, uh, the leader of one nation allegedly being asked by the president to help him politically. Now, there's something that's going on right now that, other, with the exception of Bibi Netanyahu, I can't remember that it's happened too many times. But right now as we speak, the Prime Minister of India is in Texas at a big rally, and we don't know whether the rally is for the Indian Prime Minister or whether it's Donald Trump. They're together, they're singing each other's praises, and the American, and yeah, there's over 50,000 people I there. I couldn't believe it. I've never seen so, anything like that. Well, neither have I, but the question, how do, you, how do you feel about the leader of a foreign nation jumping into a political rally for this president or any president? Well, I think, I, I mean, I don't know the purpose of the Prime Minister of India's trip to the United States. I don't think the purpose was to to help Donald Trump's campaign. I'm not so sure about that. Well, I, <laughs> what is the other possible purpose of procuring yeah. at a rally with Donald Trump? Yeah. I mean, well, I can't. I think the purpose is that he happens to like it. And, and he, I, it looked, I mean, if you looked at the audience, the audience seemed to me to be predominantly Indian. It was some kind of um, Indian rally. The, the prime minister's speech was not in English. When he spoke after Donald oh, yeah. Trump, it was not in English. 
So it was I, the howdy modi. That was the howdy modi moment. I have no idea what it was about, but it was the It was really extraordinary. I have. Never How do you seen feel about it, Eric? I'm getting a sense that you have a or little discomfort to with Donald it. Trump. Yeah. I'm old enough to remember when Barack Obama went over and gave a speech in Germany just as a speech while he was running for president in 2008. And right. the right was not a huge fan of that, of him campaigning, basically campaigning in another country while he was running for president. Um, I don't, again, I don't think it looks good. I, I, you have, Trump has basically been in his public appearances in perpetual campaigns since he won. When right. he would appear at these rallies, he would relitigate the 2016 campaign, go over the things he didn't like from it, go over the fact that he won. Um, I, you know, again, I don't speak the language. I can't speak to exactly what was going on there. But the idea of appearing at a rally with Donald Trump seems pretty explicitly and clearly political to me. Uh, Becky. Yeah. I mean, it's troubling, but again, it's among the kind of behavior that Trump has engaged in. I mean, he's kind of like a disruptor in politics. He doesn't follow process or rules, whether they're written and in law or written in stone or just assumed. So I really prefer to focus on what are Democrats going to do to win back the White House? I mean, you can have a rally with the president of India. I don't like it. Uh, but that's not what's going to win hearts and minds of people in November of 2020. But it's part of what Donald Trump has brought to the presidency. He has said, based on the question I asked in the last segment, he understands that all politics, all, poli all world leaders are interested in politics. They're interested in domestic politics, probably first. Mm -hmm. And uh, if there's some big deal going on, the United States, India, building, building up their relationship again, and there's a lot of uh, Indians that are living in Texas. And Derek, yes. what's wrong with that? Well, so I don't, I'm not in a position to say what's wrong with that, but what I can say what I know. And what I know is that we have very clear finance laws for how we run our government, right? And yes. outside influence by way of money, right? So, you know, we're not, we're exchanging uh, visibility maybe for money now. Maybe that could be a case to be made for Modi being at what seems to be an Indian rally, but we don't know if it's a Trump rally or Indian. But you said it earlier talking about uh, all politicians around the world have a vested interest in domestic policy first and what's yes. happening at home. So maybe this is a Modi moment to distract from what's happening in Kashmir right now because there's actually a lot going on in India That's right. that, they're, that he probably doesn't want the Indian people to be talking about. So right. on a lot of levels, this may be wrong. And on a lot of levels, this may be just a big nothing burger that we uh, spoke about for three minutes. But it's another thing that... It is interesting. Yeah. It's yeah. another it example is. how Donald Trump is, it changes the rules. He's right. changing yeah. the rules. Right. What other rules are you expecting him to, to, to change in, uh, in this campaign? Um, I mean, he's already brought up the fact that he's talking about Joe Biden. By the way, to go back to Joe Biden's son. I mean, he's going to go back to Joe Biden's son. Yeah. And in the president's position is, you know, I've spent the last two and a half years defending my son against charges of unethical activity yeah. in illegal, private business. Illegal, yeah. act, criminal activity. There are people who wanted him to go to jail, the, the son. Right. So, you know, I mean. I don't think that justifies being able to go after anyone's family. I mean, traditionally, oh, family. Please. Traditionally, families, Traditionally. especially at the presidential yeah, well, level, have been, off, have been okay. So I guess this isn't really going to be a conversation. It's going to be an argument. Point yes, being, I think is. people are really done with the finger pointing. I think people are done being in the gutter. I mean, even a Fox News poll showed that people are exhausted by Donald Trump. That's why, in my opinion, we need to start talking about where do we want to take this country? What do people care about? What are they missing? What do they want back in our White House? 
which is why I support a certain person running for president. Mm -hmm. um, I think his he's going to continue to distract and do the disruptive types of activities that has gotten him to where he is today. It's not going to change. Eric, it's what do you think? You're, 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 we should mention you're a libertarian. You're not a big Trump fan. Not particularly. Uh, you asked something about rule changes that I thought was interesting, that um, we, we talk about Donald Trump doing these rallies. He, one of the things that I think is interesting about him is he seems to be the first president that I can remember, certainly think of, who is has been uninterested while being in the White House in expanding his coalition. His base are his people. They're the best people. They're the only people that matters. What they're I think is interesting, people. they're terrific people. They're wonderful people. And what I'm seeing now on the left, though, is also this kind of catering from most candidates, not all, but most candidates, catering to kind of the Twitter woke left within their own primary. That you have Joe Biden, who's the one person who I think is trying to speak to the people that Trump won and the Rust Belt, who I think are persuadable to come back over to the Democrats. And you have a bunch of candidates over there who are saying things in particular that will not work for them. Beto O'Rourke comes to mind with the idea of we're going to take away guns. It, that is a rule change in terms of how both governing and campaigning is now going that is interesting and intriguing to me. Do you agree with that, yeah, Derek? I mean, I, yeah, I think uh, with the internet and the way that we exchange information now and the ability for anyone to become a, a pseudo-journalist or you know, person of knowledge of, you know, to share, um, it, it changes the whole political sphere. So now you know, our politics seems to be more of a reality show, and that's kind of probably how we got a reality no, but what, show let me ask president. You, let me, you're, right? you're, you're, we should mention you're from Texas. Yeah. But was Beto right? When you heard Beto say what he said in the recent debate, did you say, right on, this no. absolutely, we're looking for a guy who, yeah. who, this is a profile in courage, or did he hit your head and said, you know, we just lost this election? Well, I mean, I, he lost his own election, and I think it was before that. But here's the thing. Look, you... One thing that Obama got right that even people who don't like his policy can't argue with is that the man had finesse, right? And so with finesse comes getting what you would like to do. So you can't go on national television and say, we're going to take away your AR-15s. Now, do I think that people should have high-powered rifles? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I had them myself. I went to a, a foreign land uh, to fight for my country with that weapon of war. Um, so no, I don't think people should have them here. But would I go on TV running for office and say that in that way? No, I would try to meet people in the middle. Maybe I think you may not, maybe you shouldn't have it, but I'm not gonna say I'm gonna come into your house and take it from you because you're never gonna work with me. But if, you know if, I mean? if, if according to the polls that the Democrats love to quote, the majority of the people want background checks and, and want tougher, they, 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 they do want to ban uh, right. AR-15s. If they want to do that, why not give them the opportunity to vote for a candidate who's going to do it? Yeah, but, now, it, is, it but, isn't a candidate but, that I think would be a good idea, but I go, I go back to what the founding fathers wanted. Right. If you have two sides that are, are different and, and next year is going to be about the capitalists and the socialists, right. mm -hmm. what's wrong with that so, battle. So here's the problem that I see. You know, we expect the president of the United States to do everything, mm -hmm. okay? And we don't like it when he does everything. I mean, people, people on the left don't like the executive orders. People on the right didn't like the executive orders. So there is a an entity in this government called the Congress. Okay, if there is so much public calling for banning AR-15s and so much, you know, being being put forward for increased background checks. 
let them bring up a bill. I haven't seen a bill. Have you seen a bill? I haven't seen anything. There have been but multiple there, efforts. There, there have been the multiple NRA bills lobby. that have moved. There, uh, listen, I, that you know, that's a very, very again. poor excuse. I don't care it's if it's not an excuse. It's it reality. Is an excuse. No, it's reality. Bring up a bill. They have. There, there's have a lot of Eric, Eric. Make they, people vote. Make people well, the, lar the larger problem for or against the, the I'm sure NRA. there are plenty of people that would love the opportunity to vote on that, but those uh, there are bills there, and you haven't had leaders that have called them. Now, I'm not in support of all of those bills necessarily. I I'm certainly either. not in support of banning AR-15s, but what I think would be the more honest thing for Beto O'Rourke to do, and I've actually would love, I've said this for quite a while now, I think it would clarify the debate because this is actually where I thought we've been heading. If there would be a candidate who would run openly on the idea, uh, idea of we have a process for amending the Constitution, let us amend out the Second Amendment, let us eliminate the Second Amendment, oh, have happen. a candidate actually be honest, which is why I think what Beto is doing is nothing more than a Hail Mary for attention yeah. for a yeah. failing campaign yeah. that is right. going nowhere. But the problem for Democrats is that he said the soft part out loud. And if right. we're going to have a campaign right. going forward, they're... Yeah. They should all be asked if they agree with Beto. Yeah, I can see the campaign. Right. I can see the campaign ads already. I mean, the minute those words They're left his here. mouth, I thought, oh, here goes the campaign. Well, I was, reading, that we're I was reading an article. Saying and, that. and I yeah. think that Why he, did you say he that? was trying to also. He tapped very deep emotions of people who are very frustrated with. The um, with shooting. the violence that we've yeah, seen, no, especially the shooting with the AR-15s, like they're not but, shooting. But with there's the there's a way to say it without also stumbling politically and, and hurting the party potentially. And what you don't want to do is you don't want to give you want to rile up Trump's base and get them out to vote. You want to do something that keeps them at home in 2020, and he handed them something that will rile them up. I don't know. I think he's. Uh, I don't know. I I, I thought it was. It's not a good statement for the Democratic Party. I think where he is, is probably a good thing for him to do. Back shortly from Chicago. Crooked teeth may embarrass kids whose families can't afford braces. And trying to fix their teeth themselves can make things worse. Luckily, there's Donated Orthodontic Services, a program from the American Association of Orthodontists. For children and teens who qualify and are matched with a volunteer orthodontist, Treatment can be life-changing and help them smile with confidence. Learn more at aaoinfo.org. Every year, millions of Americans use opioids to manage pain. And reliance on opioids has led to the worst drug crisis in American history. That's why the CDC recommends safer alternatives like physical therapy to manage pain. Physical therapists treat pain through movement, hands-on care, and patient education. No warning labels required. When it comes to your health, you have a choice. Choose physical therapy. Visit MoveForwardPT.com to find a physical therapist in your area. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago, and we have uh, our four guests this evening. And uh, one of our guests is making her maiden voyage, and she's going to introduce herself, Becky Carroll. Hi. So um, I'm about a 20-plus year veteran of uh, public affairs, politics, campaign, and, and government um, I've been very fortunate to work for a lot of good people. Um, probably the one I must, might be most proud of is being national director of Women for Obama in 2008, which was a historic moment, obviously, for the country, but also my uh, career. And now I, I founded my own firm, C Strategies, and we specialize in public affairs and strategic communications. I don't do politics for a living, but I do love to do it on the side and, hope fr and help friends who are advancing things I really care about. Judith Sherwin. 
So my name is Judy Sherwin. I am a practicing attorney in Chicago at the law firm of Wetzel and Andrus, and I'm also an adjunct professor at Loyola University where I teach uh, constitutional law, First Amendment issues in the law school, and, uh, and teach in the graduate school ethics and business. Are you a conservative or are you a Republican? Uh, probably a conservative. Okay. The, <laughs> the R word kind of sticks in my yeah. throat. <laughs> <laughs> Derek Addis. Uh, yeah, I'm a DePaul Double D Min, um, an Iraq veteran. I uh, started Philomathy Marketing not long ago to help uh, small brands achieve their true potential. Eric. I'm uh, 15 years of public affairs and marketing and political consulting experience, and I'm co host of Sources with Knowledge, along with my co host Joe Kaiser on AM560, The Answer, here in Chicago, 3 p.m. on Sundays. And you can also now look us up in Apple Podcasts uh, okay. if you want to listen to the program there. Right. And you have a, you have a podcast, too, right? I do. Everybody's got, everybody's got yeah. a podcast. <laughs> it's great. And we love you, to talk. What so. is your podcast called? It's called The Broadcast, and we primarily feature women who are doing great as things. As in broads. Yes, as in the broads. We own the name now. You know, <laughs> okay, take ownership that's good. Over well, it. So, yeah, it's great. I love it. I've been doing it for a couple of years, and uh, hopefully I'll keep doing it for a couple more. Very good. Uh, one of the other big stories last week, uh, there, the pressure obviously is building in Saudi Arabia as to what the United States uh, response should be and what Saudi Arabia's response should be uh, to the attack on their oil fields. And uh, there was an announcement by the president uh, this week and the Department of Defense about uh, troops going uh, to uh, Saudi Arabia. And let's listen to that uh, comment and get reaction from uh, Derek Addis and the rest of our group. The president has approved the deployment of U.S. forces, which will be defensive in nature. As the president has made clear, the United States does not seek conflict with Iran. That said, we have many other military options available should they be necessary. Derek, you are a veteran. You've spent two tours in Iraq. Uh, so you're, you're young enough to still be sent away to defend this country. What is your reaction to uh, the possibility of troops? Now, it's a small battery of yeah. troops at the moment, but again, uh, uh, many advanced wars start with small batteries. Yeah, I think, uh, I, well, SecDef just said that we didn't want a military uh, fight Respond, with Iran, yeah. right? We didn't, they said that the intent yeah. is not to start combat. Well, then we shouldn't have pulled out of the nuclear deal. Uh, we should have stayed in it. Uh, it was working. We knew it was working. Independent agencies from around the world um, to include foreign governments that were part of the deal all said that it was working. Um, and Iran was playing nice. Like I've said before, you catch more flies with honey. Uh, and going around the world with our guns has is, is not really worked well uh, for, for quite some time. So, so what should we do next? So now it's, I mean, the best, the best thing that I can think is, like, come back to the table. Try to salvage what little diplomacy can be had at this moment. Because there is really only one other option. We economically sanctioned Iran to the point uh, where if, if it is true that they were the ones that did this either deliberately or indeliberately by way of probably funding some other groups that did it, there are, um, I forget his name, he was the, the minister from Iran, he was just on TV. Right. I mean, he said it was came from Yemen, right? Yes. But, who knows if the Yemeni groups were funded by Iran either way, right? They have been traditionally in the past. So mm -hmm. the thing is, you know, you, you squeeze them enough to where they have one option and it's to retaliate for sake of saving self. And then we're going to turn around and say, oh, well, got to attack them now. You know what I mean? Like, seems a little... Eric, you know, uh, a question to you. Um, the president said the other day that he, he has uh, imposed the strictest sanctions ever against any country. My question would be, 
Why did it take him so long to do that against Iran? Because Iran has, including shoot, shooting down our, our drone a couple of months ago, uh, why has it taken him so long to get to the ultimate level, at least as he has defined it? I think President Trump's foreign policy has been somewhat of a reticence to engage in foreign policy. That he, right. One of the things he was very clear about as a candidate yep. was that he did not, he was not aggressive. Um, that he did not have a design on an aggressive foreign policy that was going to be more retrenchment. The first thing that I'm thinking about with this announcement of the deployment is that John Bolton has to be just kicking himself that he's missing out on all yes. of this. But uh, the, the idea that this president who, you know, for as a libertarian and somebody who is in favor of um, a far more humble foreign policy than we have seen certainly over the last, so let's say, 16 years, it is a disappointment to see President Trump give in to this desire by some to send troops over there and possibly engage even more in the Middle East when we have seen so very little come out of it over the last decade and a half. And and they they want to use uh, they want to use the troops to assist in the operation of anti-missile uh, equipment that's already been sold to them, which obviously didn't work when the drones came in. Now, th that equipment is, is U.S. equipment. So have we been selling them inferior equipment? No, we maybe have been selling them superior equipment that they don't really know how to use properly. Well, I mean, and the example of, of a similar situation is the equipment that they call the Iron, Iron Dome in Israel. Um, they mm -hmm. stop 90% of the missiles that come there. If they didn't have that, they'd have missiles raining on them all the time. That is equipment that uh, is both Israeli and American technology, and they know how to use it. So it may be that they need some help. But I, I, there's a couple of assumptions here that, that I would like to challenge. Number one, the nuclear deal um, was a terrible deal. If, if the stated purpose of the nuclear deal was that Iran would never get a nuclear weapon, that is not what... The, the result of that deal would have been. Based upon what? Based upon the terms of the deal. So at the end the, of 10 years or 12 years? all the independent agencies that went in there and, and the government agencies of other member partners of that deal, where they all said that Iran was in compliance, even unwillingly in compliance, but they were in, in compliance with they the deal. They were not able to look at certain sites. They were not able to look at certain things. And quite frankly, since the deal has been taken off the table, they certainly came up to speed pretty quickly. Do you think that was an accident? Do you really think they weren't doing anything that we didn't know about what they were doing? So, so I mean, they have they, they the, have nuclear arms now. You're saying because you said I'm, they came up to speed. So what yeah, part of that process I'm are they at that, that you know they, of with certainty right now? They came up to speed on their centrifuges. They came up to speed on a lot of the material. Well, they were read shut the down papers. During read the papers and see what they're doing. They have a lot of creating stuff energy going. for themselves no, no, and a way to yeah. protect well, themselves against want, foreign aggressors. Right, right. Okay. No, really, if you want no, to really. believe that, that's fine. No, hold on, who's wait, the but, but foreign aggressor who's coming after serious them? Serious question. Why are who's we the allowed to have aggressor? them, but they are not? Who is, Why are we allowed all, to have them, but me, they are not? Let me say, because we do have them, and we are more responsible with them, and we have them, period. And the more people that have them, the more issue you have with something really blowing up. I agree with you. Okay? So, so let's so get you to the don't table want where the world them. disarms themselves. No, you don't that's want not, them. You don't want them 
to have nuclear weapons when their stated purpose in having them is to wipe one of our allies off the map. Now, if you're okay with that, that's fine. I am not okay with that. You shouldn't be okay with that. And we do not need a world where an aggressive country like Iran gets a nuclear weapon any more than we want to have the gentleman in North Korea continue on the path that he was continuing on. He's so buddy. They're, they're, he's not Trump's oh, buddy. He's buddy. Oh, no, yeah. he's not his well, buddy. Sure. He is doing something to try to keep him from doing what he was doing. I think he's empowering him to do it. The last doing time I looked, there were no weapons flying over Japan. Wow. No nuclear, no missiles so flying over, over Japan. One, one at a time, uh, Becky, go ahead. We're talking over I, each other, we're I, losing I mean, a little. I mean, you know, it's, I mean, color me skeptical, but I think this move to um, aid Saudi Arabia with our troops is just another distraction being used by Trump. Uh, that's, for me, that's simply the answer. It's pretty simple. I mean, yeah, Saudi's been destroying Yemen for the past couple of years, and no one says anything about that. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Saudis essentially run a great deal of what happens in the Middle East, right? And, and so does and, Iran. And so does Iran. I wouldn't say not in the same capacity that, that Saudi does. Yeah, Iran has power, but that's what I'm trying to say. So why is it that every other world power gets a seat at the table, but if I don't like the way you look, or I don't like what you believe in, or I don't like what you eat for dinner, you're not allowed to be at this table. I, that's what I'm saying. That's the problem that the rest of the world has with, with how we govern ourselves. I love my country just as much as you do, so I don't want you to feel that my argument is rooted in the disinterest of being American. But I will challenge my government when I feel that they are, they are the aggressor at times, and they are the ones who are in the wrong, especially when it comes to certain negotiations. So again, we had a nuclear deal with this, with this power that you and I both agree shouldn't have a, a nuclear weapon. I'm not saying they should, but I'm saying we can't sit at the table and say, no, you can't. Yes, we can. And then when I get you to agree to something, because the other guy who's the president that put it into place, because I just don't like that guy, now I'm president, I'm not, we're out well, the deal. That's yeah. 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 That's we're out that deal. No, that's exactly what happened. No, one, one, Eric, he one even one said that. Well, and he's been dismantling all sorts Eric, of Obama Eric's turn. Eric's turn. Sorry, drawing ahead, like yeah. this wouldn't have been a problem if they would have moved it through Congress the way that something like this should have been put through Congress. The it let, yes, it yeah. left open the possibility that the next president yeah. can withdraw from it. This That's is a major problem with the way Congress is operating, with the way that presidents have been operating, doing so much on their own. Yeah. I agree with that. All right. On that moment of agreement, 1-800-723-8289. We'll be back. 1-800-723-8289. When we come back, we're going to talk about some, uh, some recent things that Rudy Giuliani has been talking about. Don't go away. That's time to get... Theater presents the Broadway sensation Bernhard Hamlet, a rollicking comedy about the original diva, legendary actress Sarah Bernhardt. It's 1899, and Bernhardt tackles her most ambitious part yet, Hamlet. The gossip flies and society gasps as gender roles are put to the test. The New York Times calls it a breakneck backstage comedy and says it's so clever it uplifts. Bernhard Hamlet runs through October 20th. Get tickets today at GoodmanTheater.org. Since the moment you were born, I've made a thousand wishes. Wishes for your future in a world that's changing fast. Do play and laugh. Do win and lose. Do it all. 
yourself with confidence, kindness, and strength. And always do your best to remember that no matter what you do in this life, what matters to me is that you keep doing. Inspire kids to do at 4H.org. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. And again, let's continue our conversation because we have dis disagreement on the, on the right side of our table this evening. So let's talk about it. Eric, you make your point and the Judy will dismiss it or agree with it or disagree with it as she did during know, the break. Discussing? Oh, yeah. Um, Judy brought up the idea that, uh, well, I, I, maybe I should let Judy state it herself, but that if um, we're going to kind of design the way in which we have a global economy that we can design, or th this was your suggestion, that we can also have you know, a nation that leads in kind of a globally inclined way. And I don't necessarily uh, know that I disagree with that, but my no. point with Judy's statement about the, we can design the global economy. I mean, we can't design the global economy. I mean, read your fundamental Hayek. It's you have these market forces that are going to move. It's the fatal conceit of the idea that anybody could possibly possess enough knowledge or in a room of people can possess enough knowledge to be able to direct these courses. You can't. You never will. Um, you can make certain policy choices that tweak on the edge of that, but the idea that we're going to control it in any kind of a meaningful way is always just seems to me to be what Hayek called the fatal conceit. Judy. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think I said we can control the global economy. I said that the idea of the globalization um, um, that, that people seem to be fascinated by and think that we should buy into is something that Donald Trump came into office and said, you know what, we need to do something about American business, the American economy, we need to make the American economy strong, and we need to go after people who are trying to destroy, excuse me, who are trying to destroy us in the global economy. And he was talking about China, and he was talking about other actors. We have issues with Europe, we have issues with the United Kingdom, we have issues with a lot of people. So yes, we have to live in a global economy, but there are American interests and American ideas that I think we need to we need to take a look at so that the people in the Rust Belt who who were thrown out of their jobs and had their factories closed are going to be able to live and are going to be able to work in some way in a global economy that makes room for them. And they were completely frozen out. So I'm not saying that you can control that, but you can find ways to work in it that are more intelligent than the road we were going down, and that's what he's trying to do. You can Final word, and then we're going to move on. You, you can make domestic policy choices that can help those people in the Rust Belt. That is one thing. But to make the kind of promises that Donald Trump made that these jobs are going to come back, they're not going to come back. They have gone. They are not going to. Now, the, the idea that globalization is something, to me, that needs this kind of skepticism is baffling because over the last number of decades, it has brought billions of people out of poverty. It has made the world wealthier. Fewer people starve. It has made the world a better place. Uh, American manufacturing, its output is at a, the highest that it's ever been. Its employment is lower, and there are domestic choices that can be made there. But to see this as an indictment of globalism or global capitalism has never made sense to me. By the way, I want to switch gears and talk a little bit about, bring back to 2020 politics. The Des Moines Register, which is one of the most respected newspapers in the state of Iowa, probably the most, they came out with their latest poll. And we're going to put those numbers up because I want to get a couple of our guests to respond to it. This is according to today's uh, 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 edition. Uh, Senator Warren has now moved into first place at 22 percent. 
That's 7% increase over the last time they did this about three and a half weeks ago. Joe Biden has slipped to second place. That is a 3% loss. Bernie Sanders has slipped down to 11%. That's a 5% loss. And Pete Buttigieg is now at 9%. That is a 6% loss. And Kamala Harris has stayed where she was at 6%. So we have, well, we should mention, by the way, that you're, uh, Derek, you're, a, you're an independent, but you're a, a progressive independent, as people just heard, and you're, you're a Bernie Sanders supporter. But I want to talk about, I want to give uh, Becky a chance first. A 6% drop in Iowa is not good for your candidate. What's going wrong with Pete Buttigieg in Iowa? I don't think it's what's going wrong with any one candidate. I think it's what's going right with Elizabeth Warren right now. She's hit a moment. I think we're going to see numbers move around a lot again mm -hmm. between now and January. I've been on two presidential campaigns. I've worked in Iowa. I've seen this movie before. Um, last Yesterday at the steak fry in Iowa, uh, Elizabeth Warren and Pete Buttigieg won the day. They were like 33% and he was at 29%. And that's always been kind of a real indicator of like, hmm, where are voters really going to go? So, But I do think, if anything, and no offense to Bernie, and I know you're, you're with him, but I do think we are seeing the progressives starting to move more to Warren as opposed to four years ago. They're just so squarely with Bernie, there was like no question. And then that's changing now, I think. Eric, Eric. Yeah, yeah, so a uh, couple things on that. Um, uh, uh, the media darling of the moment has changed. So now it's Senator Warren. Um, it was uh, Beto, then it was Pete, then it was Kamala. It's always been Biden, <laughs> right? Um, but now it's Warren. Um, so I want to talk about your poll, though. So when you look at the nuts and bolts of polls, which I wish a lot more people would do, so we only had about 600 people, 602, I believe, that were polled. Um, it's only listed as telephone. Uh, normally they'll list out if it's uh, a mobile or landline or whatever. Usually mm -hmm. what they do is when they just put telephone, it means it's landline, but they don't want to say that publicly. So you're talking landline users are predominantly a little bit older, uh, seasoned, if you will. Um, so uh, they also, when you look at that poll, um, 12 people that said that Warren was their candidate said that their mind was made up. But 86, sorry, 88 of those people were still said, were still open to being persuaded in the future. So take uh, polls with a grain of salt uh, and then, uh, you know, kind of do a lot of research for your own. And I have some other stuff about Bernie later that we can get right I back to. I want to talk about yeah. that, but I also want to talk about <laughs> Becky because you, you have spent some time in Iowa. I want to know, uh, obviously we're, we're a long way away, but I want to I hear your story about how you go from 6% to 23 or 24 or 25%. Uh, that's what we're going to talk about. When we come back, also, I mentioned we're going to do it in this segment. We will do it after the hour break. In hour number two, we're going to be talking about Rudy Giuliani's appearance on Fox News today, in which he opened a can of whoop-ass on uh, Joe Biden. And uh, we'll talk about that in hour number two of Beyond the Beltway. Thanks for joining us tonight. What is hope? 
Hope to me was just that he would get to come home. I had no idea how hard it would be once he got back. I wish she'd stop drinking so much. She thinks it's helping, but it's not. I hope she sees that soon. I act like I don't care if he comes to my games, but I hope he does. I used to hope he'd find happiness again. Now I hope our marriage makes it. I hope Grandpa will get help. He thinks it's too late, but it's not. With everything that he's going through, I hope he sees a counselor. I just want my brother back. I hoped he'd get help. Stop hoping things would get better on their own. He told me to stop asking. I didn't. Then one day he asked for a ride. Hope is knowing there are other families just like yours, that the veterans they love got help and recovered. Go to maketheconnection.net and turn hope into action. Matt always knew he wanted to be a doctor. That's why he makes the most of every day. To study before breakfast. To work hard. To do whatever was necessary to achieve his goal. He found an answer in the military. If you have a passion, a vision for your future in any field, todaysmilitary.com can be your path to a fulfilling career. You have a calling. We have an answer. Find your way at todaysmilitary.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career I can be proud of and supporting my family. America's veterans are on their most important tour, the tour of their lives. I'm a veteran. My victory was going from homeless to home. At DAV, we're on a mission to help veterans get the benefits they've earned. I'm a veteran, and my victory was finishing my education. DAV offers veterans of all generations a lifetime of support for victories great and small. My victory was proving that a disability is not a limitation. My victory was getting my service dog a new best friend. We help more than a million veterans every year as they face and conquer their challenges. My victory is being able to be there for my family. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Standing up for what's right. Helping out when things go wrong. Seeking the truth and speaking our minds. Not just making records, but breaking them. Leading the way behind the camera, beyond the runway, and on the silver screen. Not just making our mark, but making a difference. Now that's a job for a Girl Scout. Girl Scouts, preparing girls for a lifetime of leadership. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thank you very much for joining us uh, this uh, Sunday night. Uh, in segment number one this evening, we talked about uh, the story involving the President of the United States uh, and conversations he allegedly had, or I guess admittedly now had, uh, with the President of uh, Ukraine, in which he uh, allegedly asked for his assistance in looking into uh, charges into uh, uh, Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son, about some nefarious activities that allegedly took place in the Ukraine. As part of that story, 
um, the State Department, according to what Judy Sherwin has said, asked Rudy Giuliani, the private attorney for the president, to go to Ukraine to have conversations with the president of the Ukraine to see if he could move this story along because there was a prosecutor who was uh, looking to prosecute uh, Hunter's Biden's son or overlook it, and they wanted to get him back on track. So the story is, is the United States and is the president of the United States, is he using an influence with another foreign leader to try to look into the background of a potential political opponent, uh, Joe Biden? in the middle of this conversation, Rudy Giuliani, who frequently finds himself in the middle of all these uh, he said, she said conversations involving this president and this administration, he appeared on Fox News Sunday today. He wanted to talk about, he was invited to talk about the specifics of this matter and whether it was appropriate or not for the president of the United States to do what he has allegedly done. John Roberts was sitting in for Chris Wallace today, and the interview uh, very quickly moved from not only what Rudy Giuliani did, it very quickly moved to specifics in the charges against Hunter Biden. And again, uh, Rudy Giuliani was acting as the attorney. Today, he was acting as the lead pit bull. And listen to how quickly he spews out charges and allegations against Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. I went there as a lawyer defending his client. I've known about this for five months. I've been trying to get people to cover this for five months, so I knew it would be very, very hard to get this out. And what I'm talking about this, it's Ukrainian collusion, which was large, significant, and proven with Hillary Clinton, with the Democratic National Committee, a woman named Shalupa, with the ambassador, with an FBI agent who's now been hired by George Soros, who was funding a lot of it. When Biden got the prosecutor fired, the new prosecutor who Biden approved, mm-hmm. you don't get to approve a prosecutor in a foreign country unless something fishy is going on. The new prosecutor dropped the case not just on Biden's kid and the crooked company that Biden's kid worked for, Burisma. That was done as a matter of record in October of 2016 after the guy got tanked. He also dropped the case on George Soros's company called Antac. Antac is the company where there's documentary evidence that they were producing false information about Trump, about Biden. Fusion GPS was there. Go back and listen to Nellie Orr's testimony. Nellie Orr says that there was a lot of contact between Democrats and the Ukraine. Well, I have all the contacts. And John, when the rest of this comes out and we look at China, and the 1.5 billion that the, tr- that the Biden family took out of China while that guy was negotiating for us, this will be a lot bigger than Spiro Agnew. They so, have fallen into a trap. Whew. Did everybody, did everybody follow it? Yes. I didn't know. Follow I the dots. Was Eric, follow the dots. I had Spiro Agnew as the word of the week, so I think I just won something. <laughs> I'm not sure. Right. Yes. Yes, he was vice president of the United States at one point with Richard Nixon. What do you think of, of just the, uh, I mean, th- that is a Gatling gun uh, approach to uh, your political opposition. Is that going to be effective? Because one thing that Rudy was able to do over the last several years was to muddy the waters about all the players and who said what to whom uh, as it relates to the, the Russian investigation. This sounds very early in this story. It sounds like the same approach. Ready to go. I mean, he—he he, there must have been 15 charges he threw out in that little 
diatribe. Yeah, the um, muddying the waters, I don't know if it will help in this case, because they're so muddy, I don't know anybody can make sense out of any of this. I mean, I need a flow chart just to follow what Rudy has said on the program. When you put that, you know, you put that up with the interview that he had with Chris Cuomo, which he was supposedly on this program yeah. to partly explain the right. interview he had with Chris Cuomo. It's, you know, anybody who remembers, we just had the anniversary of 9-11, remembers that Rudy Giuliani and sees him now, it's like, to me, it's like, you know, grandpa at the Thanksgiving table where he's says something completely crazy he gets up and leaves is like okay that was entertaining but what are we going to do about grandpa i don't know that this is going to benefit the, either the trump side or biden just because i don't know anybody who's going to be able to follow this clearly enough to make sense of any of it to make political hay out of it until something more so than what he's talking about comes to the fore becky your response well, it's interesting. I heard him throw in that woman Chalupa. I know that woman Chalupa, Alexander Chalupa, who is a patriot and is of Ukrainian descent, who has been targeted by the Russians because she has been an active, uh, actively campaigning against their aggression against Ukraine. Her home's been broken into, her car's been broken into, she's been hacked, her family's been threatened. So I'd love to hear what he's going to say about that because that's just a lot of BS. But again, it's like, I, I just don't, what are people going to make of this? Like, what is the takeaway? There's so much thrown in there. It's like the there. worst John le Carre novel <laughs> ever. <laughs> well, yeah, what, he, what he said uh, later in the interview, and he alluded to it at the beginning, he wants to raise the, raise the visibility of the importance of this story so that the media of the world, he said he's been trying to get this story out for five <laughs> right. months. He wants the media of the world and the media of the United States to look beyond their what he says is, is, is biased towards Joe Biden, which I don't believe. Uh, and he, he wants the media to investigate this story. I have no idea what's going on with all of this. Like, I mean, obviously I have an idea of what's going on. You and know, you like politics, but this no, is I, tough for you to but, follow. And that, but that's what I'm saying. Well, because it's it just seems, uh, I mean, he might be 100% correct, but it's just how it's being presented. There's no methodology to it. It's literally just he goes on TV. He's trying to cover up for saying, no, I didn't tell the Ukraine president I this. And well, of course, of course I asked the Ukrainian president about uh, the sun. You know, he backtracked with Cuomo on CNN. And like you said, he, he was on this show to try to fix it, and mm -hmm. he just, I don't but know. But he turned the tables. This, he yeah. wanted to make this about Hunter Biden. Yeah, well, and I think I think he is, he's making this, at the very least, about Joe Biden, yeah. okay? And and I I would, I appreciate the fact that you say, I don't know what he just said. I mean, I just listened to what he said. He said so many things. Mm -hmm. he, he went back to the whole Russia collusion business and said, you know, it's not Russia collusion. Ukrainian it collusion. was Ukrainian collusion and Hillary was doing it. So that's one story. Then he, and, and I don't mean story in the sense of, of not true. I mean one storyline that he's going to be pushing. One, one bullet point. One yeah. bullet point. Okay. And, and he's saying, you know, Joe Biden doesn't get to decide who the prosecutor is going to be in a foreign country by dangling American aid to that country and telling him I'm going to I'm leaving in six hours and I'm going to cut it off. I mean, it that's is a big bullet point. That's yeah, a big that bullet a point. Big and it's remarkable to me that that's on tape. This isn't something that we're, you know, that, that it isn't like somebody said, I heard him say this or I heard somebody else say he said this. We have it on tape with Joe Biden bragging about it. OK, Benny's so, got China. And then, and then you've got what's going on with China, with him 
negotiating with China at the same time that his son is making deals with China. So they're raising the specter of a conflict of interest. That's what they're doing. And they didn't, not, not in this diatribe, it was not mentioned, but later on in the interview, it talked about Hunter Biden and his drug use. So that's they correct. brought his, up his And that's not drug fair, activity. okay? So, I mean, that part is not fair. But that's what, it sounds right. like a bunch of rich people that have usually run things behind the scenes. Their dirty laundry is now being aired. Okay, well, but the idea with Joe Biden, but the idea with Joe Biden. Back from Chicago, uh, your reaction when we come back. Look. Goodman Theater presents the Broadway sensation Bernhard Hamlet. A rollicking comedy about the original diva, legendary actress Sarah Bernhardt. It's 1899, and Bernhardt tackles her most ambitious part yet, Hamlet. The gossip flies, and society gasps as gender roles are put to the test. The New York Times calls it a breakneck backstage comedy and says it's so clever it uplifts. Bernhardt Hamlet runs through October 20th. Get tickets today at GoodmanTheater.org. Hey, this is Ellen DeGeneres. We all have a vital role to play in helping California communities, firefighters, and first responders battling wildfires throughout the state. In this time of crisis, the entertainment community unites in support of those keeping us safe. Join us at musicforrelief.org fire and give to provide firefighters with the critical equipment they need to protect our neighborhoods. That's musicforrelief.org fire. Thanks. We're back. Uh, Judy, you wanted to finish up a point uh, you made in the last segment. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what it was now. We were, okay. we were, well, we can move on if you don't yeah, remember. Yeah. I want to talk uh, more about Pete Buttigieg. Uh, you had a long list of people to select uh, to be for. Uh, you've been for winners in the past, as you mentioned, your leadership role for Barack Obama. What is it about Pete Buttigieg that you think uh, he could go all the way and is qualified to be the next president of the United States? Yeah, I mean, it's not really about being against anyone else and ultimately whoever the nominee is, I'm going to be there a thousand percent because uh, maybe with the exception of a couple like <clears throat> Marianne Williamson, I think anyone is probably better than Trump. So um, can't help myself. Um, you know, I really do think that, like I said, there's a Fox poll that shows that majority of voters are exhausted by Trump. They want to see something different. Um, I do appreciate that the Warrens and the Bernies are, are, are appealing to things that are uh, igniting you know, their base. I get that. I don't know how sustainable that's going to be. At the end of the day, in presidential elections, I still think you need to play somewhat to the middle. And I do think that as an executive who's been responsible for running budgets and the livelihood of people, uh, crime, uh, you know, infrastructure, cleaning up trash, whatever it is, those kind of executive experiences actually do matter. And I also think that he just has a message resonating with people that I have never seen another elected official other than Barack Obama. When I go and see him speak to new crowds, I see the same connection that people are making that they made with Barack. And I think there, there's something to be said for that on the heels of, of this, this Trump era, so to speak. And it's going to be a ground game in Iowa, ultimately. Ultimately, it always is. That's how Gore won uh, the second to last campaign I was on. It's how um, Obama won. And, and, and Pete's making a major investment in the early states, and especially in Iowa. And Iowa, it's all relational politics because it's a caucus. And right. uh, that's really where, that's an environment where he thrives more than the others. Why is it that he doesn't have any significant appeal with African Americans? And, how, and how badly has his handling of the police uh, shooting in his hometown 
affected his ability to become a viable candidate with African Americans. Well, I think I would I would argue that he's actually raised the bar for other mayors across the country. He yeah. owned it. He said, you know what? I've done all these things, but I haven't gone far enough. And we have to admit that there's still institutional racism here, not just in the police department, but in really every institution, we need to acknowledge that before we start anything else. Um, he also was very public. He was transparent. He held uh, you know, a town hall. He let every person ask a question who did. I can't think of any other mayors that have really taken it to that level to be so transparent and engaged with people directly. He's put out a Douglas plan to talk about how we can help end uh, inequity in this country. Those are things that that people need to hear and they need to see specifics on. So I think it's early, it's still early, and there's plenty of opportunity for him to continue connecting with that base. Eric Cohn. I I just want to make a point of how wild our politics are in 2019. So we have a Democrat primary for president that featured amongst the 3,487 candidates that are running (laughs) the mayor of New York City and the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, and the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, is longer for the race than the yes. mayor of New York City. Right. With Bill de Blasio dropping out this week, which right. was news to most people to find out that Bill de Blasio was running for president That's right. of the United States. That's right. Begin with. That's three uh, weeks it, after the, the senator from New York dropped out. It's yeah. truly <laughs> remarkable to me. Yeah. Now, uh, Cory Booker says that he may drop out if he doesn't get uh, a substantial amount of money in the next 10 days. Uh, is anybody surprised that Cory Booker has not taken off? I thought he had a very strong I, I last think he had, debate, but yeah, I before think that. Before all the presidential stuff began, and, and I think before the Kavanaugh hearings, yeah. I think Cory Booker presented a very interesting possibility as a candidate for president mm-hmm. for the Democratic Party. But somehow, I mean, he's presented himself in some ways that are silly, okay? In the Kavanaugh debate, the thing about the Spartacus moment, I mean, it was, it was, it was really, it was laughable. He hasn't really, I think, um, shown himself to be a serious candidate, okay? I think the reason that Elizabeth Warren is, is up in the polls is that she has shown herself to be a serious candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't agree with her on almost everything, but she has policies, she has positions, she has something to say about mm-hmm. things. It isn't just about her. So I, I think that, that that's why she's up at the polls. And, and uh, I think, you know... And she that- also, she shows up, and again, you talked about taking questions. She's taken questions from, there was a report last week, uh, there was a meeting, it was at lasted four hours. Mm-hmm. She spent, she's talked to everybody that was there. Right. She was the last one to turn off the lights. Right. So, and that, and so that, that means something, oh, because it, it is relational in Iowa. It's kind of silly that that Iowa, you know, with I don't know how many how many people vote right. in caucuses, and, a thousand, and pretty much just yeah. white voters, for yeah. the right? Most part. That that's going to determine maybe who who our next yeah. president is going to be, but she gets that. It's a one-on-one thing. It's not about you know stuff. It's about talking to people. Yeah, and so. Um, I, I do appreciate about that that about Senator Warren as well, but it always baffles me that people will openly say these things about Warren, but they never say the same thing about Bernie. Who, Bernie was like that, but he still is like that. Hold on, Bernie. Bernie just had a thing where a veteran stood up and said, "Hey, I can't take care of myself. I have this health care issue. I can't pay my bills. I'm going to kill myself." Right? Mm-hmm. And instead of making it into like a political ad where he kept addressing the gentleman across the room and all that, he said, "You know what? You're not going to kill yourself. We're going to talk later." He canceled other 
uh, appointments that he had, and he, him and his wife sat with that man for 45 minutes, okay? Nope, the media didn't talk about that. The media talks about Warren Surgeon in Iowa, right? The media didn't talk about the other historic presidential campaign milestone that was reached this week by Bernie, by Bernie Sanders, which was uh, one million individual donors in seven months. No one's talking about that. The Democrats want to win an election. They need people to be mobilized and vote. And for whatever reason, we're doing the same exact, or they're doing the same exact thing that they did in 2016, which was, we already know who our chosen uh, candidate is, and we're, it doesn't matter what comes in the way of that. We're going to go with what we want, and I think it has a lot to do with the establishment. So, but sorry. no, but in this particular case, what, what question we discussed last week on this program, when you look at the math, I mean, the math does not lie. I mean, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, their voters are coming out of the same cauldron, if you will. My question to you is, if one of them were to step aside, mm -hmm. they would soar past uh, Joe Biden or anyone that was yeah. has replaced Joe Biden. Yeah, so my, yeah, that, that maybe, is, yeah. maybe, okay. It depends on who it, voters' second choice is. But the yeah. question is, how do you have a conversation, how does Bernie Sanders have a conversation in a room with Elizabeth Warren and saying, look at we got to look at the map. One of us has got to blink and go away. How do you start that conversation? Well, uh, I, you know, in my opinion, the best strategy right now for Senator Sanders is not to directly go at uh, Warren and or her well, supporters. They're not doing that. They no, don't. Not, no, the, they the, don't. Answer, the answer. There's two parts. Answer your question, if I may. Uh, the first part is um, is uh, Warren will expose herself for what she is. She was a Republican until she was 47 years old, and I'm not saying people can't change their mind. I appreciate that people evolve and change. So I is myself Hillary. am not perfect, right? Um, and, you know, she moved money from her previous Senate campaign that came from big money donors. She moved that to her now presidential campaign. No one's talking about that. Bernie also moved money, but it was the money that came from the people from his previous campaign. So there's a difference in moving that money over. So this faux progressivism um, that is being veiled over Warren, I think, will the shroud will be lifted eventually. Um, and the strategy for Senator Sanders now is to get the, the, Biden, the Biden defectors. I think that's, that's more of the move. And I think in the next coming months, you'll see the two progressive candidates um, kind of emerging as, as the front runners. And still play nice, nice. They have because that because yeah they, they see, will because I, see, that's, at some point they will yes. If we go back to 2016, you remember during the period of the campaign when the stories were that Donald <laughs> yeah. Trump. And and Ted Cruz were really in cahoots because they were never they were never uh, yeah. going Fighting. after each other. And then a mo there, mo there yeah. was a moment that came in the campaign, and literally they were at each other's throats. Well, well, Democrat side, uh, Eric. Um, I still firmly believe that if Bernie Sanders, rather than being I don't want to talk about her emails, yeah. would have actually gone after her yeah. on that mm -hmm. issue, yeah. might have been the Democrat nominee for president. Right. That's right. But you, at right. some point, you do have to go pugilistic. You do yeah. have to go after your yes, opponent. You do. So he's going to have to go after Elizabeth Warren in the same way that like they are all, at this point, going after Joe Biden. You're going to have to clarify that lane. Somebody, I think, is going to represent, as we get further along in this process, the vanguard of the left now of the Democratic Party, and then you're going to have the more establishment voice in Joe Biden, who uh, until a hot minute ago really was on the left of the Democratic Party. Or is it going to be, or is, is the attrition going to go from Biden to Pete Buttigieg? Or is, going to go to, or is it going to go to Amy Klobuchar, who isn't over. even in the... Yeah, I mean, Amy, I mean, you know, for the record, I'd love to see a woman finally win. I, I just, I don't think Amy Klobuchar is going to be that person. I do think that voters who are aligned with Biden are probably more likely to be aligned with, with Mayor Pete. 
and probably voters who are aligned with Warren are more aligned with Bernie and vice versa. But it really ultimately uh, depends on where people's second vote is really leaning right now. And that's, you, that's all up in the air. Do you believe that really when it comes right down to it, it's, it's, it's going to be a base election? The Trump people have got to turn out everybody that voted for Trump and maybe pick up a few more. The Democrats have got to—they've got to get every everybody that's out there that despises Donald Trump. They got to rev—they got to rev up that engine to get them out there. And when you look at Elizabeth Warren, can rev up that message. Bernie Sanders can rev up that message, but Joe Biden might not be able to do it. He might be too nice and deferential, although he's going to be ticked off that Hunter Biden is being attacked. I don't buy it because I don't see the base of the Democratic Party not turning out against Donald Trump. And Biden, I think, still has the greatest possibility to bring back some of those lunch pail Rust Belt voters that Donald Trump won, that it's going to be necessary to bring back if well, the Democrat wants to win. I don't know. I, I, I refute that. Bernie Sanders has a, a pretty solid, solid uh, foundation. See, I, I agree that Sanders right. is I don't the think most the Rust Belt people. Likely, I don't think the Rust Belt people count. I think that the haters, the people that hate Trump, they've got to bring out the hate vote. Right. That's what they got to do. Back shortly from Chicago. Crooked teeth may embarrass kids whose families can't afford braces. And trying to fix their teeth themselves can make things worse. Luckily, there's Donated Orthodontic Services, a program from the American Association of Orthodontists. For children and teens who qualify and are matched with a volunteer orthodontist, treatment can be life-changing and help them smile with confidence. Learn more at aaoinfo.org. Every year, millions of Americans use opioids to manage pain. And reliance on opioids has led to the worst drug crisis in American history. That's why the CDC recommends safer alternatives like physical therapy to manage pain. Physical therapists treat pain through movement, hands-on care, and patient education. No warning labels required. When it comes to your health, you have a choice. Choose physical therapy. Visit MoveForwardPT.com to find a physical therapist in your area. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Let's go to Sacramento, California, where uh, Craig is listening to us on YouTube or watching us on YouTube tonight. Go ahead, Craig. Good evening to y'all. Hello. I just wanted to comment on uh, the Giuliani and uh, the call to the Ukraine uh, yeah. president. Sure. Basically, Giuliani and the rest of the uh, apologists are using smoking mirrors as usual to distract from the main issue, which is what is it that Trump said to the president of the Ukraine? The whistleblower went through the correct process, and the White House is breaking the law by not sending the report to Congress. Trump does this again and again by making things up out of whole cloth, like the whistleblower is an apologist, I mean a partisan, and without any knowledge of who the person is or anything that they know. And it just directs away from the, what uh, the media should be focusing on is the actual conversation would be using his power of the presidency to influence a foreign country to get political dirt on an opponent. That is the only issue. Biden and his son is not part of this, and everyone is falling for it when they talk about that. If you're going to talk about the family members, you talk about the president's family members, like Jared and Ivanka doing mm -hmm. real estate deals in India and trademarks right. in China. 
No, I, I don't disagree with that at all. What I'm just saying is that whether it's fair or not, I do believe that because of what Giuliani has said and what has been reported in the past, uh, the media, I think, is going to be obligated now to look into the stories, whether they're real or not, involving Joe Biden and his son. And that's, that's going to be an ongoing story. And I do believe that, like any other story, uh, that once you begin to pull some threads, there's going to be there's going to be a constant story there. And again, there will be those people uh, who are uh, uh, certainly in the right wing press and, and Fox News, the commentators. They'll be they'll be running with this story every single night. It won't it will not go away, and it will be in the context of yes, the president may have done something dishonorable by doing what he did. Did he do anything illegal? Probably. Yes. I got a question for you, Kevin. Do you think the president is corrupt? Do you think he lies to the American public? All right, let's start with our Democrats. Do you think he's corrupt? I Derek. mean, listen, I, I, don't, I don't have all the facts and the paperwork in front of me. But do I trust this person? Like, would I have him watch the kids that I don't have? No, I wouldn't let him watch my kids. But... I, no, I, I believe, yeah, on more than one occasion he's come out and said lies to American people. Yes, he's definitely okay. done that. Do you think he's corrupt, Becky? Yes, and uh, I think we haven't seen the last of what some of that corruption might look like by the time November rolls around in 2020. Judy, do you think he's corrupt? No, I don't think he's corrupt. And, and uh, whatever he said to the president of the Ukraine, I do not believe that it is a crime. Um, and um, it's certainly, you know, like you said, uh, Congress can impeach if they don't like the way you comb your hair. Um, but um, no, I, I don't Eric, think there's do anything Eric, you think he's there. corrupt? I think he's dishonest and unethical and unfit for the office. I'm happy with that summary. Mm -hmm. Okay, Craig, and your answer is he's unfit and he's corrupt. And he just makes things up out of cold cloth. He doesn't have any facts. He just says whatever's on the top of his head, and he's basically going to run us into a war without knowing about it. I don't, uh, I don't think he's going to run us into a war. I think because of the promise that he made that he doesn't want to have war, he may, he may keep us out of a direct confrontation with Iran that might be in our best interest, but he's not going to see it that way. Because all he's concerned about at the moment is, am I keeping all of my campaign promises? And I think I would agree with, with Eric. Uh, uh, unethical on t at times, uh, totally corrupt. No, I don't believe he's totally corrupt. Unethical at times, yes. I think we've heard the point about what you know, he'll run us into a war. We've heard that basically for four years. It, it hasn't happened yet. But the only thing I would say is we have not, of all the things that Trump has had to face while he's been president, we have not yet seen... Uh, seen him face a true foreign policy crisis. What's happening right now in the Middle East, I don't think rises to the true level of crisis. It's relatively mm -hmm. small potatoes. But it, what is going to be interesting and clarifying and perhaps frightening, depending on your point of view, is watching a President Donald Trump navigate a true foreign policy crisis if mm -hmm. one presents itself. Now, Craig, you've also said you don't think the, the media has any obligation to look into the, into the uh, Hunter Biden charges? I say it's a separate issue. It is. To focus on one issue at a time. I agree. Instead of the word salad of Giuliani, which 
it will take months to pull apart if you're oh, going to yeah. investigate all of that. I, I, mm -hmm. I totally agree. I mean, I, I think when I when I was listening to this today on Fox News, I said to myself, oh, my God, this is like the next five months of stories. <laughs> I mean, you start pulling all these threads out, and uh, again, it, may, it may take us to Iowa, you know. Mm -hmm. But again, I do, but I do believe I do believe that those investigations should take place. But I think, again, they're, it's separate. The president is based. The president, I guess the question I would say is, why doesn't the president call the FBI and have the FBI investigate that? Now, how many people would be more upset if the president picked up the phone and called the FBI and asked them to do it? I mean, they would be, they'd be tarring and feathering. Yeah, so he can't do that. So what can he do? He goes to a friendly nation where he's got several hundred million dollars hanging over their head. And he says, by the way, can you look into this for me? Let's 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 look into it. So that may be the that may be the lesser of two evils uh, in in what the guy is doing. And then I think the bigger surprise is that uh, in addition to the foreign aid that was promised, which I think was about three hundred and forty million dollars, there's a hundred and forty million dollars that was thrown on when the final checks were sent. There was a hundred and forty million dollars more sent which doesn't appear to be money that was appropriated. So where did that $140 million come? That, that I think, is a legitimate question as well as to when you're looking at, at uh, misappropriating uh, funds and, and using them for uh, allegedly nefarious reasons. We're going to take another call. We're going to go to Bonnie in Crown Point, Indiana. Go ahead, Bonnie. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hey, I got a, a really crazy thought. What being that Trump will probably not have, not have a primary... Um, what is to stop all the Republicans and the conservatives across the country from registering as Democrats and then voting for somebody, one, one candidate in the Democrat primaries, that they know that Trump would trounce? Well, that's a conspiracy that is brought up every four years. And, uh, it, and it happens. And it happens I, from it happens. time to time. I don't yeah. think it's ever happened significantly that I can recall. Eric, does anybody know I don't think, I, I don't think we're aware of it happening en no. masse in the kind of way that's no. being suggested. And the other thing that I would always caution people about, as someone who has run campaigns in the past, and you have these conversations about who you think would be the easiest person to go against, sometimes, you know what, you turn out to be wrong about that. Well, so yes. it's be careful who you wish for. I, I'm the a college football fan. Right. I remember a few years the ago. The occupant of the White House was the person. Was the person that they all wanted yeah. to run against. against. And look yeah. what Happen. You know, you don't Jimmy Carter wanted Ronald Reagan. You go That's up right. against the person you go That's up right. against. I'd be careful of this trying to design who you want to try to be because right. it could backfire. Look at Trump. But people do try to do that. But I don't oh, think yeah. it's ever really been it's, organized it's on, on, on the levels, level yeah. that people think is going to make a major difference. Yeah. Anyway, it's an idea uh, that has been discussed in Illinois from time to time. We've played that game <laughs> from time to time. <laughs> We also, t you know, run dead candidates. That that's another one. Mm -hmm. That'll be a little harder to put in a presidential election. Yeah. That's kind well, of. We have a lot of them off. voting. So well, you know, well, that's, why an not that's run another allegation candidates. of of times past in Illinois. Thanks very much. Uh, by by the way, uh, Bonnie, let me ask you this question. Yeah. Um, I assume you're a Trump Republican. I'm not a Republican. I'm a conservative. Okay. All right. So you're not a fan of. There would you would not be proud if the next president of the United States was uh, uh, the current mayor of South Bend. There'd be no Hoosier pride in that. Not, 
Not, not particularly, no. I feel that, you know, when, when you are saying that you're for health care for legal immigrants, and I, I consider you an unserious candidate. Okay. And next question is this. Do you believe that uh, when Donald Trump uh, leaves office, would you like to see Mike Pence become the next leader of the Republican Party and follow uh, follow him to an election at a national level higher than he has now? I don't know, because, you know, just you could be a good vice president, but not necessarily a good president. There is different right. skill sets. And right. um, I, I don't know if he would be a good president. Um, we'll see who, who, you know, if anybody else emerges out of the, you know, side. Okay. Thanks for your call. Judy, uh, you. you're, you're a conservative. Uh, do you think that uh, Mike Pence has any future beyond his current role? You know, I think he's going to want to run for president. I think there will be a huge faction in the Republican Party that will support him. I think the person on the horizon today is probably Nikki Haley. And mm -hmm. I, I do believe I know you don't want to hear this, but I do believe that the first woman president of the United States is going to be a Republican. That's okay. Well, I, I know our Democrats will disagree with right. that. No, I know. I know they will, yes. but that's that's what I think. You know, the other thing that I noticed that, that I'm not sure that this really makes any sense, but we've had women prime ministers and and they some of them are successful, some of them are not, like, like Theresa May. Um, yeah. I think it is easier for a woman to become the head of the party and then eventually become the prime minister than it is psychologically for this country to elect a woman president. I think that's a problem. I don't know if we're ever going to get over it, but I think somebody like Nikki Haley might be able to do it. That's, okay. That's we're going to pause. 1-800-723-8289. One more segment, and we're going to talk about the recent election in Israel. Theater presents the Broadway sensation Bernhard Hamlet, a rollicking comedy about the original diva, legendary actress Sarah Bernhardt. It's 1899, and Bernhardt tackles her most ambitious part yet, Hamlet. The gossip flies and society gasps as gender roles are put to the test. The New York Times calls it a breakneck backstage comedy and says it's so clever it uplifts. Bernhard Hamlet runs through October 20th. Get tickets today at goodmantheater.org. Since the moment you were born, I've made a thousand wishes. Wishes for your future in a world that's changing fast. Do play and laugh. Do win and lose. Do it all with confidence, kindness, and strength. And always do your best to remember that no matter what you do in this life, what matters to me is that you keep doing. Inspire kids to do at 4H.org. Bruce Dumont, we're back in Chicago. We're talking uh, baseball. We have a uh, we have a diehard Cub fan who's kind of uh, sourpuss tonight. But yes. uh, <laughs> the Cardinal the Cardinals are just a great baseball team. They no, the Cardinals the, Cubs. the Cardinals have come on like gangbusters. Um, I, you know, it, this was the hardest four days, baseball days. I think this was worse than the way they lost the way the Cubs got knocked yeah. out last year. Yeah. I, I really do. Yeah, but let me also. Day. 
Let me also add, as a White Sox fan, it's 60 years ago tonight that the White Sox won the American League pennant against the Cleveland Indians. Right. And yes. I remember and I was actually I remember a White it Sox like fan. it was yesterday. I was actually a White Sox fan in those days. <laughs> okay, so well, that good. isn't my only sentiment oh, that's changed over the years. <laughs> Let's talk about, uh, we, uh, last week we talked about the Brett Kavanaugh uh, controversy. What, what's your take on the, the Kavanaugh? Is, there, are there, is that story already petered out in your view? Eric? I think it's starting to because of how incredibly horribly that it was handled. The story to me here has little to do with any allegations against Brett Kavanaugh because the ones that were actually put forward in this excerpt from a book that the New York Times ran didn't have any more corroboration than any of the other allegations that were made yeah. against him during his confirmation. But what was remarkable to me was the way the Times handled this. They had this excerpt that they wanted to run. This is Bob Woodward's books have done this with the Washington Post. They get the juiciest excerpts to run before the book comes out. They didn't run it in the news section. They ran it in the opinion section. They got something significantly wrong and, and left out, which is that the woman supposedly who had this happen to her um, has no memory of it and didn't even talk to the people who wrote the book. And this gets edited, uh, added as an editor's note after the fact. It was, you know, I'm tired of a lot of the debates about media bias, but this is pure and clear media malpractice as far as I'm concerned. The Times should be ashamed of themselves. Well, and it's not the first time this has happened to the opinion patients, the current opinion editor, I'm forgetting his name at the moment. This is like the second or third incident that it's raised at this kind of a level. And mm -hmm. you have to have a higher bar, especially when it comes to issues like this uh, that are mm -hmm. so personal and so high profile and involving someone who's on our nation's highest court. You got you to be better. Mm -hmm. And another story is uh, what's happening to Justin uh, Trudeau uh, appearing in uh, blackface at a party several years ago. And, uh, you know, his political career is uh, teetering at the moment, although the, the people of Canada will, will certain, you know, render a verdict on that. What, what's your take on, on things like that? Does it make any difference if, I mean, if somebody dressed in blackface 20 years ago, does that mean they're a racist today? I don't get to make that determination. I mean, yes, I think, you do. Well, I just asked you. I, I could say, <laughs> you I, do. Appreciate, I appreciate that. No, but I, I so again, like, I, I don't want to speak for people who, who are slighted by those things. So whether or not I feel one way about it or not, um, it's, it's what in mass, like a lot of people collectively would feel about something. So, but are they really, what I want to know is, are they really upset about it yeah. or are they doing it just because it's the thing to be upset about? Mm -hmm. In other words, has it, has it really hurt their lives? Uh, has it impacted them? And by the way, I'm not talking about rape charges now. Right. I'm talking about, you know, whether you dress up, uh, yeah. you know, as, as an makeup. Amos and Andy. Yeah, know? no, well, I, I mean, again, you have to look at that, the history of disenfranchisement in different places of the world and how powers that had money and wealth and resources uh, kind of used others to get, you know, what they wanted and discounted them. But at the same time, when you see, you know, someone kind of making fun of who you are without even inviting you to some of these parties where all these people were videotaped with blackface or photographed rather with blackface and brownface and whatever other face they wanted to wear, that's where that's where the kind of the, the sliding comes into play where like, no, it's not okay. Becky, yeah. you agree with that? I, I mean, would I have ever have done that, whether it was at the time politically or not politically correct? No, I mean, that's sensibility on my part. Not everyone might share that. Um, you know, I've read stories about you know, you can't always maybe necessarily compare the history of this country with something like Canada. It's a, different. But nonetheless, like, it, it, it bothers me, and I think it bothers a lot of people I know who are people of color who are just kind of 
tired of having to read the stories over and over and over again of people who are trying to raise, you know, raise up people of color now in disenfranchised communities. Oh, they were in blackface like 10, 15 years ago. It's, it's offensive. And we should I, but I, frankly but I, all be But I wonder how it. many of the people, how many people of color, as you referred to them, how many of them are legitimately upset about these incidents when they come along? Or is it the professional left, mm -hmm. the professional right. left who have that credential, yeah. right. are they the ones that are upset? In other words, mm -hmm. in other words are the people at the, the, the college campuses, are they, were, are they excited about this? No, or if, I, if no. you walk through the south or west side, would anybody be talking about either yes, people? Yes, they are. Color? I mean, I well, see it on my yeah. own Facebook no, pages. I, yeah. I see when it on Twitter. People are genuinely Yeah, but uh, they're white people. That's what they're I meant when I talked people. about the resources. No, they're yeah. not just white people are, are, are offended by this. And I kind of take offense of that you wouldn't say that people of color aren't offended by it. I've seen it. I mean, I've, no. I've seen the posts on my Twitter feeds. I've seen the posts on my Facebook feeds. People are upset. We should let people own that. So, I mean, you know, I, I kind of feel sorry for Trudeau here. I mean, and I'm not a fan, believe me. But, I mean, so he went to a party 20 years ago that had an Arabian Nights theme, and he dressed up as Aladdin. I mean, you could dress let, up as Aladdin and not be in let's, blackface. Let's, he's not in blackface. He was dressed up as Aladdin and he uh, and, and he darkened his skin. Or then okay, there first were, of all, I, 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 I have not heard the expression brown face at any other time than right. in the conversation here. It has always been blackface, and I don't know why we're making this arbitrary distinction. But uh, two points. Um, you know, him supposedly doing it in 2001. Northam did it in the 80s, Ivy in the 60s. 2001 is incredible to me. But we just saw the Shane Gillis guy from SNL get canceled yeah. for yes. saying something right. in a joking right. sense. Yes. And Justin Trudeau, I promise you, will not be forced to resign over this just like Northam wasn't, no, just like was. Ivy wasn't. There is no sense of justice in all of this. Yeah. Okay. Is it more of a media story than anything else? I think so. Did the public... Is the, yeah, isn't is the public a, well, yeah, you're these right. Days, yeah. I think it is. It is. It but is. then there's a man who won president and said, you know, publicly or at least on tape, that he grabbed women by the, you know what? I mean, you know. No, that's not what he said. He oh, it's said exactly what he said. No. I've heard it over he and over and over again. Please do not try to rewrite history. The people oh, voted on that. They knew that. They I saw know. the. They saw the like video. Said, oh, the on that note, we want to thank Derek Addis for being with us. He is an independent. Uh, progressive independent, I might add. And uh, also Becky Carroll making your first maiden voyage this evening. Thank you, thank you very much. Judith Sherwin back uh, as a favorite. Thank you very much representing the right side. And Eric Cohen, nice to have you back. Also, he works uh, at WYND, our flagship station, every Sunday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So if you want to tune in him at 3 and then just keep your dial right where it is until 10 o'clock at night, please feel free to do that. Our thanks also to Hector uh, Pacheco. Pacheco. And to Anthony Marshall and to also Fritz Goldman for their assistance in the production of this program. I'm Bruce Dumont. Good night from Chicago. What is hope? Hope to me was just that he would get to come home. I had no idea how hard it would be once he got back. I wish she'd stop drinking so much. She thinks it's helping, but it's not. I hope she sees that soon. I act like I don't care if he comes to my games, but I hope he does. I used to hope he'd find happiness again. Now I hope our marriage makes it. I hope Grandpa will get help. He thinks it's too late, but it's not. With everything that he's going through, I hope he sees a counselor. I just want my brother back. I hoped he'd get help, 
Stop hoping things would get better on their own. He told me to stop asking. I didn't. Then one day he asked for a ride. Hope is knowing there are other families just like yours, that the veterans they love got help and recovered. Go to maketheconnection.net and turn hope into action. Matt always knew he wanted to be a doctor. That's why he makes the most of every day. To study before breakfast. To work hard. To do whatever was necessary to achieve his goal. He found an answer in the military. If you have a passion, a vision for your future in any field, todaysmilitary.com can be your path to a fulfilling career. You have a calling. We have an answer. Find your way at todaysmilitary.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career I can be proud of and supporting my family. America's veterans are on their most important tour, the tour of their lives. I'm a veteran. My victory was going from homeless to home. At DAV, we're on a mission to help veterans get the benefits they've earned. I'm a veteran, and my victory was finishing my education. DAV offers veterans of all generations a lifetime of support for victories great and small. My victory was proving that a disability is not a limitation. My victory was getting my service dog a new best friend. We help more than a million veterans every year as they face and conquer their challenges. My victory is being able to be there for my family. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Standing up for what's right. Helping out when things go wrong. Seeking the truth and speaking our minds. Not just making records, but breaking them. Leading the way behind the camera, beyond the runway, and on the silver screen. Not just making our mark, but making a difference. Now that's a job for a Girl Scout. Girl Scouts, preparing girls for a lifetime of leadership.